Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Say another phrase that we all know in a different context. Semper fideles. <laughs> There's no response to that. <laughs> it's the Marine Corps, right? And the phrase means always faithful. It's Latin. That phrase, that word fidelis, is the same word that we have the, the English word fidelity. And this is what I'd like to talk about today. Fidelity. Always being faithful. Fidelity is in some ways a better word than when we use the word faith. We could use the word faithfulness and that might get a little bit more at that sense. Because fidelity is not a thought, it's not a belief, it's not a word, but an action. We show our faith in our actions, as St. James makes so clear in his epistle. That's what faith is, is faithfulness, is fidelity to our Lord. Today we celebrate those who embodied Semper Fidelis. Those are the myrrh-bearers. They are the ones who stood by Christ in all times, through all things. Even when there was danger, they were unafraid, and they stayed united to Christ. St. John Chrysostom has this to say about these brave women. Mark how great the women's assiduity. They had followed him, ministering to him, and were present even to the time of the dangers. This is why they also saw all. How he cried, how he gave up his spirit, how the rocks were rent, and all the rest. These women were the first to see Jesus. The gender that was most condemned first enjoys the sight of the blessings. This gender shows its courage the most. In this way, they were much more like the Marines than like those 12 disciples. The disciples, of course, spread like sheep with no shepherd. They ran away and they hid. These women are called the disciples as well. They are women disciples. You know, we always think of the 12 disciples because they were so enumerated in the Gospels. But these two were disciples. They were disciples of Christ who ministered to him throughout his ministry, who followed him every place that he went. They're also called the apostles to the apostles. An apostle is one who is, the word literally means one who is sent forth. So the apostles on Pentecost were sent forth. They were sent out into the world. But who was sent first? The women. The angel said to them, go and tell the disciples that he has risen and that you will meet them in Galilee. They were the first apostles, the first ones to be sent forth. In one of the hymns of the Orthros, or maybe it was the Vespers, I don't recall, it says that they were evangelists preaching the good news. They likewise were the evangelists to the evangelists. These women preached, as the word evangelist means, it means one who tells the good news. And they were the first to have this great news the first to come to the disciples and tell them of the resurrection of our Lord. So they truly were faithful. They truly embodied that marine slogan. 
And they also, like the Marines, were very courageous indeed. When we compare with the disciples, the disciples were faithful in word. St. Thomas said, let us go also that we may die with him. This is what he said before our Lord was crucified. And as we know very well, St. Peter said, even if all are made to stumble, yet I will not. If I have to die with you, I will not deny you. These were his words. Words spoken out of great zeal, but out of not as much faith. Because truly faith is shown in the actions of our lives. St. John Chrysostom also said of the women, when the disciples had fled, these women were present. Do you see the women's courage? Do you see their affection? Do you see their noble spirit? Do you see their noble spirit even unto death? Let the men imitate the women. Let us not forsake Jesus in temptation. This is why today is the Sunday of the Myrrh-bearers. We had Bright Week, which ended on the Feast of Antipasca, which is also called the Sunday of Thomas. And then the very next thing that we celebrate are the disciples, the apostles to the apostles, the evangelists to the evangelists, these holy myrrh-bearers. Now the myrrh-bearers weren't alone. As we also know, we commemorate today the righteous Joseph of Arimathea. We also commemorate Nicodemus. These two men had the same courage as the myrrh-bearers. They were there. They were with Christ. On the Epitaphios, which is now on the altar, you can see just a portion of it. The Epitaphios shows Christ at the tomb with the myrrh-bearers and with Nicodemus and Joseph. They were there with Christ. They were there and they wrapped him in linen. They were there and carried him to his tomb. And Joseph especially and Nicodemus as leaders of the Jewish people showed great courage to deny all of the, what would come to them, to forget about all the persecution that would come to them and just focus on Christ. As St. John Chrysostom said, let us not forsake Jesus in temptation. It was a great temptation, don't have any doubt. A great temptation for Joseph and for Nicodemus to be exactly like all the other Jewish leaders. And yet they overcame that temptation and stayed with Christ. St. Theophylact encourages us all to be like Joseph of Arimathea. He has this beautiful passage in which he expands upon what Joseph did. Let us be like Joseph, always increasing in virtue and taking hold of that which is truly good. And let us also take the body of Jesus through Holy Communion and place it in a tomb hewn out of a rock. That is, place it within a soul which always remembers God and does not forget him. Now that's a play on the Greek words because the Greek word for tomb is nimio, which is, comes from the same root as to remember, like we say, eonia inimi. So a tomb is the place of those who are remembered. And let the soul that is hewn from a rock, that is from Christ, who is the rock on which we are established, so our soul is hewn by Christ, who is the rock. Our soul is made by Christ. And let us wrap the body of Jesus in linen. That is, let us receive it with a pure body. For the body is the linen, and as it were, the garment of the soul. 
For we must receive the divine body of the Lord, not only with a pure soul, but with a pure body as well. It's a beautiful image of how we, each time that we come to the Eucharist, we're like Joseph of Arimathea, coming forward, offering the linen of our purity, receiving Christ into that tomb that always remembers Christ. My brothers and sisters, you come here to receive Christ, and you have been so faithful, holding fast to Jesus through all these tumultuous times that we have experienced in the last year plus. I've seen how you desire to maintain unity within the parish, but the devil desires division. Diabolos, his name, he's the divider. So he's always trying to cause division. But I see how strongly you have clung to maintaining the unity and the spirit of peace here in the parish. It has not been difficult. I mean, it has not been easy at all. It's been very difficult. In these past months, we've had many opportunities where a brother or sister in Christ says something or does something that we just kind of have to swallow because they have a very different viewpoint from us. And so we just have to, in patience, bear with one another's burdens. Well, the devil is trying once again. We heard news from the CDC that is in some ways good news, but is now another opportunity for division. The church will be determining how to go about all of this, but I will say to all of you, this is another chance to have judgment, another chance to be reading into other people, Another chance for us to cause division within ourselves and within the body of Christ. We as followers of Christ do not want to segregate, do not want to divide, and do not want to judge. Yet these are our temptations that we will be facing in the coming days and weeks. We have another way. Rather than judging, we can, like St. Paisios used to talk about, find the good reason, the good excuse. He says this, he who does his spiritual work correctly finds excuses for everyone else in order to justify their shortcomings, but never justifies himself even when he is in the right. How unworldly this thinking is. For example, he, continuing what St. Paisios says, for example, he sees someone stealing and thinks to himself, if I had not been helped by God, I would now be stealing more than he is. Or if he sees a certain shortcoming in another person, be it serious or trivial, he will excuse him with good and positive thoughts. He thinks of his many shortcomings. So I have some practical advice as we move forward in this time. Don't look around. Don't look around. Don't ask people about their vaccination status. Don't offer your vaccination status. Don't talk about it. We don't need this. It'd be like asking, oh, who did you vote for for president last year? <laughs> right? That goes really well. <laughs> really, the question is, and I want to be clear about this, when we have these conversations, which we've been having, I know, many times we can't anymore. The question really you're asking the person is, excuse me, can I judge you? Excuse me, can I give you an opportunity for you to judge me? 
If we see it in this light, then we won't be having these conversations. Because I tell you, the world wants us to have these conversations. The world wants us to impose upon each other and force upon each other our viewpoints or the other viewpoints or whatever it may be. This is what the world wants because the world is of the evil one. The world is swept up by all this. We cannot be. We cannot be. If we are to maintain the unity in Christ. St. Paisios also has these consoling words for us, words of guidance. Your heart can become as hard as a rock in an instant if you are not careful, and it can equally quickly become tender. You must acquire a maternal heart. It makes me think of the myrrh-bearers, who are our examples. You see, a mother will forgive all things and sometimes will pretend not to see certain mischief. Be patient with others and excuse them, tolerate others, so that Christ will tolerate you. This is what St. Paisios says. And while he is a contemporary saint, he is not very far from one of our early saints in the church, St. Paul. St. Paul talked very much about the unity, the essential aspect of unity within the church, and how with a divisive man, we can't have the division around. He says in the epistle to the Ephesians, I beg you, he says, I beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all lowliness and meekness, with patience, forbearing one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. These are the words that we need to live by. And as essential as it is within the body of Christ, this is also essential with our brothers and sisters who are not in the body of Christ. It's essential everywhere. I'm not just giving a prescription for here in the church, though I will say more so. More so because we're united in the very body and blood of Christ. I'll read it once more because we need to live by this. If you want to go and look it up, it's Ephesians chapter 4, starting at verse 1. I beg you to lead a life worthy of the call to which you have been called. So he's telling us what is worthy of the call to which we've been called. He's going to tell us right now. This is what being worthy is. With all lowliness and meekness, with patience, forbearing one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Let us follow that marine motto towards Christ. Let us always be faithful, always faithful. And faithful, again, is in our actions. The actions inside our heads, our thoughts, and the actions of our mouth, and the actions of our limbs, in all of us, we must be faithful to Christ. And Christ is ultimately the one who taught us how to turn away from others' sins and not turn away from others. This is what we must do now. So I ask that you have patience and forgiveness for all of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And don't talk about these things. God bless you.